Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Definitely in the house. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I don't even know what to say. You do know what that is, though. Uh uh-uh. uh. <gasps> the thuggish, ruggish bone? Oh, I didn't like. I I didn't recognize it, but now it's that you the okay. thuggish, ruggish bone. Okay. Okay. It's all the right. thuggish, ruggish bone. Oh, my lord. Okay. <laughs> I'm clear now. I'm all. I'm all sad. Uh, praise the Lord, niggas, man. Thank you so much for joining us yet again for another round of Jade Z in the key of Z flat minor. Gracias. All over Al Gore's internet. Thank you so much. Yes, but we're here and we are ready to talk about the worst hood we've endeavored to live in. Yeah. Adulthood, child. Yes. The ghettos of adulting. The good, the bad, the ugly, the tests, the trials, the twists, the turns, the temptations, and the taxes, which are due <laughs> for oh, those yikes. of you who don't know. <laughs> oh, July yikes. the 15th is your deadline and mine. So please let us all be about our business and file our taxes if you've yet to do so. But yes, how are you, sis? Uh well, with that announcement, you know, I got a couple <laughs> things I got. <laughs> got no, a little concerns you need I got, to make. I filed for an extension because, you know, I'm just not ready. And that's fine. Amen. Girl, why I you never ready? For as long as you took, you better look like Holly Berry. But Halle outside Berry. of that, I am fine. I am here. And uh, I am grateful to be such. How are you? Same, man. Same. We are grateful to be back for yet another episode of this wonderful, crazy show. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we're still, we're happy to be here. We're happy to be healthy. We're happy to be well. Um, yes. You know, all things considered, right? Ooh, because we're living in a world. But we have a, th- how are you? I'm so sorry. That's so ugly. How yeah, I just said the same thing. I just said I was doing okay. Did you? Okay. Did I already ask you? Yeah. That? You see, that's uh-huh. actually really how I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's really yeah, actually yeah. where I'm at because your girl is, I'm, I'm, I'm back in foggy land. I'm like trying to figure it out. But it is all Hi. good. We have a trash to get into, so we shall okay. mosey along. Let us mosey. Moseying. Dizzy's in the to get into so i figured we'd start off on you know a comical note just to kind Uh of 
uh, let our, you let our, you know, just have a good time and keep it lighthearted. So Jada and Will sat at the red table. Entanglement gate. Let's just dive right in. Can't wait. Can't wait. Mm. Did you watch? The 14 minutes of, of the Red Table Talk, the shortest I, Red Table Talk It was actually talk to like 12. It was actually 12 <laughs> minutes uh, and You're a right. little change. You're right. Like you it said, was. the shortest Red Table his, in the history of Willow mm, and on. That's just, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're very, mm-hmm. you know, it was brief, brevity. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, you know, while I feel like, I think it, it is a very real uh Okay, I don't. I want to choose my my words here. I feel like we got insight into a real relationship, how it works, how it functions, and how it dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I can always get behind that level of transparency. I think we need more real versions uh, of uh, you know, right, wrong, or indifference. Right. This is just not. Right. This is not me making a judgment on whether or not I think it was right or wrong, but I think at 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 any case we can agree that it was there was when it comes to Will and Jada navigating through their relationship as they define it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got some real insight into how these kinds of conversations can go between partners, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think for those of us who have been kind of spoon fed some real idealized versions of what marriage is and what marriage can be. I think we got to see two grown people sit down and attempt to have and establish some accountability. Now, whether or not I feel like um, (laughs) that accountability was, you know, taken is, you know, that's up for debate. But I do feel like there was a container provided mm-hmm. that gave us, you know, uh, a glimpse into how spouses mm-hmm, mm-hmm, can navigate the ups and downs of being in a long-term committed relationship. It's facts. Um, and it's yeah, not yeah, I have to say, as a married person, how, what were your thoughts? It's not perfect at all. Um, And I think every relationship is unique. And as long Mm -hmm. as you all establish, you know, whatever those boundaries and whatever those things are within your relationship, you have honest and open communication. I mean, that's really all you can all you can do. They they did keep it real in a sense where, you know, they sense. Right. (laughs) Trust me, words mean things. Um. Because, you know, they spoke to how they, you know, there was a period of time where they didn't like each other. That's honest. Y'all don't like each other all the time. And if somebody says they do, they are lying. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of complications and gray areas that go into relationships. Now, this is not a discussion right now as to what's healthy, what's not, because I think sometimes that's relative. There may be people who look at a a relationship where somebody says, you know what, I didn't like you and I stepped out. And they're like, I could never. But... Bitch, it's not your relationship, so it doesn't matter whether you could or not. Um, Howsomever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One partner did keep it a smidge realer than the other. <laughs> I, I, I would, I concur. Now, <laughs> I, think that- I will also say that with a grain of salt because this was about a very specific situation, so we don't Absolutely. know the and ins I, and, and outs. This is, 
Yes. And I don't, I want to be intentional about saying that this is, I don't believe that will is without fault or mm-hmm. blame or mm-hmm. responsibility. Um, because you know, when it comes to relationship, it is a matter of t- the two, two people coming together. And yeah. I mean, the details of such is not my business. Right. It, but I, pretty I, much. Yeah. I, think, I think when, when you present certain scenario, a scenario to the public, for consumption, mm, I think you kind of yes. open yourself up for folks to have opinions about, uh, you know, how you do that. So it's not necessarily, I mean, because my, I mean, I think we can sit around and, and have a whole nother debate or conversation mm-hmm. about right, wrong, should, shouldn't, mm-hmm. who, you know what I'm saying? As far as Jada's behavior, as far as mm-hmm. Will's behavior, but I'm talking about just in terms of like, you know, how you going to say you're going to bring yourself to the red table and then dance around it <laughs> um, and sit in this, <laughs> sit to the table, crisscross applesauce. Like Jada, you almost 56. Put your feet on the floor Let and let's get to the something. business. Okay. It let's was get to the a collaboration of the red table talk and dancing with the stars because Jada <laughs> was, was not. Let me tell you, Will had to call her. He was like. She was like, and I was in an entanglement. He goes, hold, uh, hold on, pause real it's like, quick. A what, a, what? a what now? You said a, a what? what? She I goes, an entanglement. It was, it was really interesting to kind of watch that unfold, right? Because mm-hmm. her, she has branded the red table in many respects as a place where accountability exactly. is, is, is had, right? She exactly. holds other people accountable for themselves, gives people a platform to kind of clear their name and mm-hmm. speak their truth and get everything out into the open. And when she brought herself to the red table, it seems as though that that energy has somehow left the chat. Well, that energy left the chat before the red table talk even came out because um, when Jordan Woods faced all her stuff, it was, it was go time, baby. They was ready to go within 36 hours of the news dropping. Jada took her time, took her, took two and a half days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> weeks <laughs> to sit down and address all of this which again she didn't have to do anything because it's not anybody's business but like you said when you put yourself out there in a certain light you mm-hmm. can't be mad mm-hmm. when people hold you to that standard and jada does put herself out there as a person who holds other people accountable who calls people out we're going to talk about real issues and real shit okay so while if you go look at the definition of the word entanglement there is a definition where she did not use the wrong word but it was a cop-out it i was just a felt like f- absolutely and for someone to say you know i don't know um I just didn't like the whole framing from the beginning. She was talking about we. I'm here because I just felt like there was some healing that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sis, you are the only one who in this scenario is not is not whole. Like we're healed. Right. We're here right. for your healing. I just really wish that there would have been a. I mean, and I don't want to get caught up in the in the weeds and the and the minutia, shall we say, the details. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I just felt like she could have been a lot more direct. A lot more like, this yeah. is my bag to carry. These are my choices. I made them. Who going to check me, boo? I would have respected her. Yep. I would have respected that a lot more than this. You know, I found myself in a precarious entanglement with a hog. And it's no, like, girl, girl, you didn't like your girl. nigga. And first, and, and if we're, can we just be really candid here really quick? Like, this is getting grown. I'm going to be honest. A friend of mine sent me a picture. No, it was not a full, you know, noodle frontal. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it was definitely, you know, 
an entanglement in the form of genitalia. So why don't you just say that you <laughs> liked the young dick and you hated your nigga at the time and you maybe you didn't feel valued. She eventually and, said that. I think it fell right. out. But her slip showed, right? Because she was just like, I just wanted to feel good. I'm like, up, sis, there go your slip. I caught Definitely it right there. Definitely a run in the hose. She Definitely. said, I just, wanted to, to, I just wanted to feel good. And I'm like, there, ladies and gentlemen, is the run in the stocking that she's been you. trying to hide. That's it. And I would have just, like, you know, and I mean, we can have, we can go back and forth about whether or not, because I've seen all kinds of conversation. She was predatory. It was inappropriate. She took advantage. That right there, I feel like is, you know, part yes. of the court. We, that is something yes, that we an, cannot. I, well, I was saving that for another conversation because I. Yeah, we cannot yeah. not deal with that. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, even before we get there, you got to. You got to show up ready to play, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm just like, girl, we're here because you came to put your cards on the table, okay? So like, listen, let's let's get them, like let's get it. But I think yep. it, it, she, I don't know that she really, she she claimed that it was going to be a, a space of healing and transparency, but she she had on a long sleeve shirt, right? <laughs> I mean, covered up fully, and fully. I mean, turtleneck, long pants. She had on long johns. She did not come <laughs> to be transparent i mean no that's, that's how it read to me that's how it read to me i agree and i feel like will came to be transparent and he yes. got himself really good and high before he did oh i um, mean zooted, as baby. giraffe box okay. yo wait, listen <laughs> giraffe box will was pterodactyl pussy <laughs> like Sitting my name on top of the world zooted and booted with mace and, and brandy okay <laughs> You know, Mace up, Whip up, We Took Oh Your House Down, mm -hmm. all of that. He was just diddy bopping on top of the world, okay? Was, and I wasn't mad at it. I was like, yeah, yeah, mood, mood, mood. I too would have to probably get <laughs> just good in cloud nine for this conversation. And that's also what kept him from that. being able to be like, uh, Jada. Cut Jada, the shit. Cut right. the shit. Please, <laughs> so. like let's just call a thing a thing, beloved. If you bad, oh. it's what I'm saying. Like if you bad and you grown and can't nobody check you, boo. Let's pull up our big girl panties and yes, say it. I would like. I wanted to have a piece of that young August Alcina, and that's what I did. That's now, what I did. <laughs> like that's what I did. Period. We and we just were in a rough place, and you know that's just. And the thing is, she could have been like, "Listen, we dealt with this already, so now I'm about to lay yeah. it all on the table." Like you and yes. I have already dealt with, with this within our relationship. Done. So done and done. But done you know, you know, you one day we'll have there. the conversation about the predatory behavior and why she wanted this was, to be all fake, deep, and Ayanna Van Zandt about it, and I was did. just like, "Beloved, call a thing a thing." That's all. That's she was like, take yourself to Harriet. Now look at Harriet. <laughs> what would Harriet say? <laughs> Harriet said, that is predatory. <laughs> Put your face <laughs> unto the ground and give it sound. That's See how mean. hurt people hurt people. <laughs> <laughs> now, Iyama should have been down to the red table. Should that have. That would have been, been the programming that we needed. And deserved. <laughs> in My 2020 God. speaking Woo. of of uh of uh, in entanglement gate oh my by the way can i just say my sister sent me a video of my niece and my niece was in the background who was four by the way going entanglement entanglement <laughs> entanglement with august <laughs> oh like, my god i screamed well, i said even the kids get a hold of this shit but um so kiki palmer apparently oh, was tied to august i've seen some years ago I mean, she was just a casualty of war. She I just really, felt really, really bad. 
was. So if you don't know, Kiki Palmer, uh, you know, uh, was friends. We don't know the relationship, but had it some don't matter. form. It doesn't matter. Right. Had some form of relationship At with it. At some point, they went to the 7-Eleven together and In got, car. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's fine. She took a picture. It's nothing that anybody else wouldn't do. She didn't uh, say nothing crazy. I think she said something about he makes good fried chicken. Like, whatever, you know, whatever. Being something young and Something that on the you internet. can say about any friend in life. Pretty much. Like, XD can say that. Like, you know, I right. can say that about Kia. Right. So, um, somebody posted... So Kiki was posting a series of tweets. They were cryptic tweets. We don't know who they were about. They could, The assumption could have gone in any way. Um, but the fact of the matter, nothing was confirmed. So, uh somebody came through responded to them posted a picture posted that picture and said oh is this you and she said it sure is that is me she goes and that's and they were like so now you gonna throw him under the bus that was your man she's like first of all that was never my man she was like that was my friend and you're reaching for nothing and the the person i guess august got wind of it oh and decided that's he why is. I read the tweets. I was just like, August is hurting. He's hurting. He has been through a lot. And he is lashing out. At the wrong person. Right. Go lashing talk to out, High Cheeks out. over there. Go talk to Absolutely. Queen Entanglement. Go direct the energy that way. Because what he did was he took a very low blow at Kiki and uh, tried to take a dig at her mental health, which is never really? okay. Yeah. He and said, he, um, I mean, talking about pot and kettles august baby, i didn't know that baby i don't oh, like yeah. that i don't like that's that what business i did not like all. so he because he said i said because honey he was like you right i was never your man and you know and that was after your friends begged me to leave you alone because of your mental instability and i said well wait a wait a wait a wait a wait a minute easy does it easy does it young man where was all of that honey, in that ghetto 60 minutes clip that's what i'm Nowhere saying should be found you was Nobody asked. I mean, you wouldn't have you didn't have that energy when you were sitting across from Angelie in your straw set in your box Revlon color. Boy, if you don't get somewhere and sit down in your distraught lover hair color, as I posted on my Instagram story, because that this is old Keisha Cole, I changed my mind hair color. <laughs> right. You better get out of my face. I should have cheated ass. Go on somewhere with all of that. Nobody cares. I don't like so that. Direct I don't your, like that's that. what I don't like when people do. Direct your energy at the person you're really mad at. Don't direct Hurt. it to the innocent beings, especially when you want to bring people's mental health into it and whatnot. That's never cool. Especially like when said, your mental health. I mean, can we talk about it? Especially when your hello. That's what this whole thing's been about, right? You was in a low place. Jada was in a low place, I guess. And low niggas was just dwelling together. And We've got to do better. We've got to do better. We do. We have to do better. We've got to do better. That's where I did not like it. Um, So there was a, a, there's a young football player, I believe, by the name of Kyle Quiero. Oh, my word. Now, I have seen this. Please go ahead. I'm sorry. I have oh, just no, no. seen all of y'all. All of y'all have just been singing Jill Scott's seductive praise <laughs> for days and days and days now. And it has really been something to see all people of all kinds, walks mm-hmm. of lives, identities mm-hmm. coming together to say, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> what we not going to do. So if you don't know, we will not. This young man, um, I don't. He, he popped up online, and apparently somebody said something about Jill Scott being fine, 
And he decided to question it publicly on the Twitter and yes. said, y'all really find Jill Scott yes. fine? You know, y'all really, really think, think she's sexy? This was this was a, a mistake of youth, mm. right? You know, I just feel Foolish. like, you know, this is this is just a this is just one of those things that you just don't know better. And before you know it, your mouth is just a flapping on in a direction and you can't pull yourself back. It's a very chance the rapper situation. Uh, it was very much a like a man. Yikes. I both didn't your mean shins and feet and big toes in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody spoke up, including Questlove. People spoke up who don't even like Jill Scott. They said, I don't even, I don't even fool with that heifer like that. And she's still sexy. So everyone. Everyone uh, and Jill Scott is sexy, so he got a Cinco, the oh, girl, everybody. I mean, every single person everybody. had a thing to say about it. Did they said, we and would I saw love. that he apologized, honey. I mean, wrote a four page letter to Jill Wouldn't Scott, you? and <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a four page letter to Jill Scott, and she was unbothered, like, okay, <laughs> yeah, and carried on. Like, let's just go ahead and arrest the police officers who shot Breonna Taylor. Which I was like, you know, this is what I can get behind because I'm I mean, here for it. We weren't looking for your validation, young Kiero mm-hmm. or whatever your name is, child. Mm-hmm. God bless mm-hmm. your heart. I hope you have me. fun. I hope hope you learned a valuable lesson. I hope today. you learned your lesson. Absolutely. Speaking of niggas never learning their lessons and who maybe oh might have learned it this time, Chance the Rapper. So well. Okay, I'm going to let you go ahead, please. I wasn't going to address I wasn't going to address this overall because I just think it's absolutely asinine and foolish. But uh, Kanye West Kardashian is running it uh, is claiming that he is going to run for president. I do not believe he he has any he hasn't of the proper filed credentials. any paperwork. No. He hasn't filed any paperwork. Which yet, is why so I won't officially. pay this salt or pepper. But I just feel like he's at the house and he's high as Jess right now. But yeah. just let him finish. And and you know, very upset with his home life, you know, has realized that he is completely turned on his blackness. Just in a really Doesn't dark he place. Live, he lives on a farm in like Wyoming or something, right? I don't know. I think that's their on. vacation home. And it's, you know, the empty home that has like all concrete. <laughs> so mm. so that's a you know, that's something that that nigga announced. So Chance the rapper decides to speak up uh in low-key-ish support like mm-hmm. well you know biden we all know mm-hmm. what his issues are so who's to say that yay wouldn't be a qualified but however he said it and he got all of the backlash i see very well should. so he then had a lesson right there where he goes well i just climbed to the top of a hill that I apparently have to die on. He's like, I don't know how I ended up here, but this is what it is. Well, Terry Crews oh, of decides all. to chime in. Ooh, say, I'm just waiting for somebody to cancel his internet. Lord oh Jesus. Oh my God. Like, can somebody just cut the ethernet cord? I'm over it. So he decides to chime in. Welcome, my brother, or whatever he said. Something to the effect what? of, yes, we both are up here on this suck our foot in our mouth hill and this is what it is. And Chance then responded with a God damn, I ended up in the same place as Terry <laughs> Cruz. I have got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I paraphrase that, but yes. <laughs> I didn't see that. This is news to me. <laughs> oh, go find the the thread of actions because when I Chance. tell you it gave me a cackle. 
<laughs> you should have shut up. You knew this wasn't going to go well, sir. My you knew Lord. it wasn't. And then you've got Ooh. a man who loves to shit all over black people and then say whoops afterwards every time agreeing with you. I hope you feel, I hope you are in a dark place and are Wait, has Terry Crews had a change of heart or no? I think Terry Crews just keeps doing this backpedaling thing where he's like, I say all these terrible things, but what I really mean is unity for what all. I just want good things. And it's like, well, why don't you just want to shut the fuck just up? Please be quiet. Why? Like, why? So, uh, so that's that. Um, and then lastly, I thought that we would uh, bring up just a little uh, caucasity of the day. He said, he said, wait, I said, okay, okay. Oh, you see, you look, you really look at it? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, okay. Well, this is funny unto me. Read it. He said, I'm sprinting down the hill now. I'm trying to find yeah. Terry Cruz's tweet though. But it says, apparently he said that. Terry Crews. He's okay. I'm sprinting down the hill now. I understand the improbability of Yay winning the 46th presidential seat, and I understand that everyone voting for Biden isn't necessarily doing so enthusiastically. I am for Black liberation, and do not accept my recent endorsement from Terry Crews. <laughs> so Chance got a good a good little kick in the ass and a little lesson today. Um, I mean, and literally 3,500 responses later, <laughs> he is I like, psych, guys, it. listen, I'm very sorry. I will not do this again. I, I hope you learned your you. lesson, young man. Oh, wait. I so, like, after Terry Crews, Terry Crews, <laughs> <laughs> this has tickled me. Okay. Okay. hilarious. He said, this is slow- me slowly trying to get down from this hill without falling and dying. <laughs> <laughs> so terry cruz, terry cruz uh says something to him and he said he said shit and did the malcolm x meme well you know malcolm was like yes. slamming the table, like, mm. like he was like okay okay Not i didn't realize way. how bad this is yeah so it was sorry. bad chance it was real bad so when you get to the top of the hill and realize you have to die on it mm, mm, mm. okay a lesson okay a lesson whoever you vote for i hope they abolish the prison system as we know it honor black reparations and all treaties with indigenous folks and lastly in homelessness whomever that me whoever that may be god bless them too late nigga too late you already put it in there it's already the foot is just roasted it's confit it's 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 sous vide nigga oh, it's pan seared nigga it's fried double fried korean fried chicken in the mouth what terry cruz said this is I, I did not know that this was happening today i stumbled upon it today and when i tell you it gave me the bit of joy that i needed to make it through the rest of the day <laughs> while mm. you search for terry cruz's response our last story in the trash this week caucasity as i said we were going to talk about briefly so there is a country band by the name of lady antebellum um now lady antebellum uh said that they want to change their name to lady a because they don't want to be associated with slavery or in support of such or anything along those lines right okay good you all want to take an action and change your whole band name that's great because these they've won all kinds of awards and all kinds of things well, this is where the caucasity just came right in the face. 
There is a black singer by the name of Lady A. And Lady Antebellum is suing Lady A because they want her name. So this this is really an illustration of how whiteness and white supremacy function. Talk about there it. There is a sense of entitlement. Mm. Um Mm. And I don't what 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 confounds me here, what I find to be so striking mm. is that Lady Antebellum allegedly changed their name because they realized that it was racist. Exactly. <laughs> um how you but just they realized that I don't know, but go ahead. Right. But but <laughs> in even in so doing, they are co-opting another name yep. from a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um and essentially demanding, I think by virtue of filing a lawsuit, it's like they are demanding that they should have the name Lady A mm-hmm. because they are white and, be- and because I guess they are more popular and because it's what they want, right? Yep. Totally disregarding the fact that this lady for all of her career has been known as Lady A. And I think this is something that we're going to see more and more of, unfortunately, as we see like the proliferation of what I have I have called and I am nobody, right? But this is just how I'm processing it in my mind. But I'm coining this this and like categorizing these instances as like cheap change, right? So like we think about change that doesn't cost. We think about change that we can kind of, you know, make a quick adjustment, a quick, very like, you know, what can I do to give the appearance that I have changed my values about something? Mm. Oh, I'm mm. going to change my name. Um, whether I changed my name from Lady Antebellum to Lady A or whether I changed my name from the Washington Redskins to the Washingtons, whatever else, uh, I'm going to make a quick change that is supposed to signal to the rest of the world that I have some new awareness, some new understanding. And as such, I'm going to move about in the world differently. Um, and that that that's something I can do very quickly. Right. So it's cheap. Yep. But I think the kind of change that we need in response to centuries of oppression and um and marginalization and and white supremacy it's got to be transformative so it's not just a change in behavior and it's not just a change in appearance but it's a change in value it's a change in core belief it's a change in assumption and that is a kind of change that is expensive it's going to cost you something it's going to cost you time it's going to cost you effort it's going to you have to learn how to be inclusive you have to learn how to be anti-racist you have to learn how to operate from a place of social justice when all that you have have kind of been trained to do in your life thus far is been you know to be the dominant ideal identity the privileged class of people so Mm -hmm. i think it is this is really just kind of like a a example of how this kind of change is not going to get us where we need to be because it's like you know White people, this this group is just saying they they want this name so they should have it because they want it and because they can afford to have it and because this lady is not rolling over and giving it to them. She's going to sue. I mean, they're going to sue her. It's actually a smidge worse than that. So it's funny that you bring all of that up because um, they actually had a meetup with her on Zoom, a digital meetup. 
And they announced it on their Instagram. They said, today we connected privately with the artist Lady A. Transparent, honest, and authentic conversations were had. We're excited to share that we're moving forward with positive solutions and common ground. The hurt is turning into hope, more to come. This is where the uh, them turning into victims happen. Because a month later, a little less than a month actually, when she decided to sue them, I mean, when she decided that they needed to pay her $10 million for her name that she has built over time, they because made an announcement. Hurts. Today, we are sad to share that our sincere hope to join together with Anita White in unity and common purpose has ended. She and, and her team have demanded, you, you, you know, that's the first thing I noticed. She and her, and also notice the, the verbiage, she and her team have demanded a $10 million payment. So reluctantly, we have come to the conclusion that we need to ask a court to affirm our right to continue to use the name Lady A, a trademark we have had held for many years. Really? Right. The group said they That's didn't request money Why from Miss White. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Why would they... Why would they have trademarked the name Lady A and not use it? I mean, I guess there's a reason. I don't, I guess I could see why they would have that kind of like how you buy up all the domain yeah. names around what you want. But the same thing, like so, trademarks have rules and like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is about, I don't this know. Is maybe business. This is business. And let's just call a thing a thing. You all have won awards and all kinds of things. I have taken decades to build my career, right? I am Lady A. I have taken decades to build my career you all came through i'm not hating on your success but why the hell would i choose to amicably share my business name that i make money off of with a much larger and more successful conglomerate that can then drown out what i've worked so hard to build not That's saying that I, like it's it just what do you think <clears throat> you think i'm getting no i know your white privilege is gonna come into play and all of what Lady A has built will now be covered and buried under Lady Antebellum, now Lady A, because of the of because of how big you all are. Please get out of here. And you think just because you came to me and said, can we share the name that I don't have a right to ask for money and relate to that? Like, yes. Yeah. They were like, we're both going to use the name and this is harmony and unity this is nah, that's not what that means. You're victims and you're <laughs> you're using like. white privilege. That's you. Tr- that's you still getting what you want. The fact of the matter is, it was your choice to have this racist name for all the many years that you had it, and yep. it was not a problem until somebody brought to your attention that it, that it was a problem. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't a problem for you until others t- let you know. So clearly it didn't. And it was going to start you know. affecting your coin because let's, let's be honest. Y'all know this shit. Nobody just learned what antebellum means unless exactly. it's maybe like Noah who's building her vocabulary. But I just really <laughs> feel like either way you slice this, this does to me demonstrate kind of like how... This, this this kind of change, the kind of change that we need in order for us to really um, make a difference, to change course, to change history, to interrupt and disrupt the legacy of imperialism mm-hmm. and um, white supremacy that is the fabric of this country, right? Whether we want to admit it or not, this is beyond personal prejudices right we're talking about business here and if we're going to get to the bottom of that 
we have got to take ownership of the ways that we've been complicit in these systems and work and, and, you know, find, you know, course correct and find paths forward that um, demonstrate the inclusion, the the principles and and qualities of this, this equity inclusion and social justice that you say that you, that you uh, align with, right? Mm -hmm. If you're saying that you recognize how wrong you were, then really recognize it and acknowledge that and take responsibility for the fact that, you know, as a result of a choice you made, you don't get what you want, which means you don't get to be Lady A because somebody else is already Lady A. Right. Period. Bong, that's it. And that's the trash this week. That's it. That was enough. We trash this week can actually move on to a shout out. Okay. Let's do it. My sister's popping right now, like. Okay, so our shout out this week is actually in, uh, a response to something that I said from a listener, and I thought it would be really nice to share with our audience, especially as you know, I told you all that I'm working on my evening routine and trying to do my yoga and all the things that relax me before I go to bed. Kia's getting her workouts in and taking care trying of her my body. Best, child. Trying my best. So, So we got an email from a listener who says, hi, ladies. I'm thankful that uh, you all are doing well and taking good care of yourselves. Chef Jade, you mentioned yoga with Adrian. She's good, but I would also like to suggest a Peloton yoga instructor. Now, don't get worried if you don't have a Peloton. I don't have one either. (laughs) Uh, That's me saying that, not the email. This is Chelsea Jackson Robert. She's new to Peloton. She's a gorgeous, soulful black woman who always has the most amazing music. I started using the Peloton app when it was free, and I've decided to keep it up for the yoga strength and meditation options. I also have been walking through my neighborhood and getting lost on paths every single morning, as it is literally the only time I have to myself with a husband and three kids in the house. I have two accountability partners, and we send pictures to each other after we finish working out recommend classes and teachers that we like and hype each other up. I pray that y'all stay safe and well and congrats and blessings on the house, Dr. Kia. And that's from Brandon. So thank you so much, Brandon. Of course, I would love to shout at an online black yoga instructor. Um, And I'm actually going to try her out myself, Chelsea Jackson Roberts. I'll be sure to post the information in the description box. Thank you for the suggestion. Um, You know, we love to support black over here. So you know, <coughs> while while there are other beautiful, wonderful things out there, I I love to go black first. So I'm gonna definitely look into Chelsea Jackson Roberts, and that's our shout out this week. Look for her information in the description box if you are interested. Totes, my goats, and let's move on to this kitchen table towel. Okay. Ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. So many non-dairy flavors, so little time, girl. Ben and Jerry's has three new non-dairy frozen desserts made with sunflower butter. The Ben and Jerry's flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their new non-dairy flavors are the perfect sweet treats for vegans, vegetarians, and everybody in between like me and Jade. So, of of course, we love the Ben and Jerry's. Um, I'm particularly fond of the creme brulee. And I also like the mint chocolate chip because it doesn't taste like Vicks Vapor Up. It actually is a pleasant mint experience that is not overpowering. Um, the creme brulee is really good. It's very creamy and it uh, it, it gives a, has a very pleasant mouthfeel. 
and it actually tastes amazing. I don't have any complaints. And I love, um, when I first had it for the very first time, I was really shocked to find um, how much I enjoyed it because I really did, honestly speaking, expect to hate it, but I do not. Um, and I and I can now speak to, you know, I have groves of friends who, droves of friends who, who, have, who love ice cream. Um, and now I can say I have a brand new friend who loves non-dairy ice cream in the person of Jade, right? Jade loves the non-dairy because... It, it is Jade. And it you know why she loves it? Because it helps cut down on her gas. So check out the Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> check out the Ben and Jerry's Sunflower Butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at BenJerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y dot com. All right, uh, ladies and gents, um, folks in the non-binary, welcome back to the kitchen table. Um, we wanted to... Well, Jay had the idea. Um, I really appreciate it. But she had the idea to dedicate this episode to um, my brother. For those of you who may not know, um, I have, well, I lost my brother in 2016. Um, he died in a really tragic accident um, uh, when he was on vacation with some of his friends. Um, and he didn't make it home. Um, and the anniversary of his passing is June 11th. Um, and then his birthday is July 12th. Um, and typically since then, this time of year, is especially challenging for me um, for obvious reasons um, as I'm navigating my grief journey. Um, but in honor of Brian's birthday, Jade thought it would be a good idea for us to spend some time talking about him um, and talking about my grief journey. So I appreciate the space to do that. Um, so, um, you know, we won't be here for a really long time, but I, I recognize that I am not the only person who has lost someone very close to me but dealing with uh, a loss of this magnitude has taught me a lot about myself and about life. And um, I'm honored um, and grateful for the opportunity to share my story because I recognize that in so doing, I might offer some support and solace to others who are struggling. Um, and so as I think about this time of year that is especially challenging um, and especially given like what's happening in the world right now and we'll be totally remiss in not acknowledging the tragic loss of Naya Rivera yeah um, and her death um, is triggering to me for obvious reasons because my brother died the way that she did uh, he drowned um, and that's why we didn't bring it up in the trash uh, for right. anybody who wondered why we, why it was not added. So um, I just don't have a formal framework or a script because I didn't want to be too, too prepared because, uh, you know, I just felt like I wanted to talk from my heart. Um, but before we do that, I want to start this conversation by 
um, acknowledging the life and the legacy of Naya Rivera and sending prayers and strength and love Mm -hmm. to her child, to her parents, to her siblings, and all, all those who are connected to her and knew her and celebrated her life. Um, um, me and my brother were 18 months apart. And uh, as such, I never, I don't have any recollection of life without Brian. Um, we were close. Mm-hmm. We grew closer the older that we got. Um, you know, when we were younger, we fought like most siblings fight. But mm-hmm. I remember distinctly in my breath, we, we shared we shared a room until I was a senior in high school. So for a long, long time, uh, we shared a room. We had bunk beds. Um, our, can you imagine our very sizable selves? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you because something. Because my That's brother, two big niggas. <laughs> two very large African American um, sleeping on a bunk bed. But um, my brother uh, is about six six, six mm-hmm. five and a half, mm-hmm. and I am just shy of five ten, maybe five nine, and close, very close to five ten. So um, we we spent a lot of time together, and I remember when we were in. Uh, high school, we were fighting or arguing about something. Um, and this is why, you know, when I say that we fight, I mean, we really fought. It wasn't just bickering, but we threw hands. <laughs> so, so that's why Jay will tell you in many respects, you know, like I, it's very, very uh, few physical interactions that I'll back down from because I have, I have squared fights. up with <laughs> the doctor. Fights, I have y'all. squared up with. I mean, someone who was just about double my size and did so fearlessly. But I remember the time that me and my brother were fighting and my mom came in the room and separated us. And she said, that is it. It ends today. Um, y'all, y'all are all you got. So you have like this fighting has got to stop. Like I have to know that when y'all leave here, y'all have each other's back. So I can't allow you to be in here tearing each other down like this, like Mm -hmm. it is over. And when she said it that way, the way she said it, I think it struck a chord with the both of us because I can honestly say that was the last time Mm -hmm. that we fought. Um, And from then forward, you know, it took us a while to kind of find, find our, um, Rhythm, sort of rhythm, mm-hmm. in terms of how our closeness uh, took shape. I mean, because you know we were both teenage people, you know, angsty teenage miserable people in our own right, yes. um, and you know we had to find ways to kind of be there for one another as we kind of figured out certain transitions in life. Um, but we did it, and I always had a lot of respect. I think that we complimented each other um, in that, you know, where I was attentive to detail and, you know, worried about the smaller intricacies of a thing. Brian was 
the person who thought big picture. Um, so I think we kind of balanced each other in a lot of respects and I, where I was loud and all over the place, he was more soft-spoken, um, but the kind of person that when, who didn't speak often, but when he said something, everybody listened. Mm-hmm. So I think we learned each other in a way and learn how to support each other in a way that taught me a lot about life. And we developed more more than like a love that siblings share. Mm-hmm. To me, we developed a mutual respect. I thought my brother was a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was proud of him for the man that he grew into being and I respected him. I respected his decision-making. I respected his approach and I trusted him. And I like to think that he felt the same way about me because we would consult each other about things. Mm -hmm. So it really became like ways that we supported one another as we figured out life made up for some of the areas of lack that we had. So when we didn't have a relationship with our father, I knew that I could count on my brother for certain things. And he knew that he can count on me for certain things. And and it was just um, a bond that I'm grateful for the opportunity to have had. Hmm. We, we enjoyed each other's company. Um, and even when we disagreed, which wasn't often, but even when we disagreed, it was never to the point of abandonment mm-hmm. or like, I got to leave, whatever. But I just, I am grateful for who he was, who he is to me and to my entire family. Um, he had a way of, of being an equalizer. He would. He had a way of reading people and knowing what to do in order to reach them where they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just was attentive in that way. So like he was the guy that everybody listened to. So even at the level of like, you know, when my mom was bickering with her siblings or if, even if my grandparents weren't seeing eye to eye, he knew how to mediate. Um, mm-hmm those kinds of things and it was just and he knew how to break the ice he knew when we needed a laugh he just knew certain things um was talking to my grandma earlier today about like you know we used to take these big family trips and we used to take these big trips with our church family too we Mm -hmm. would go on these road trips and um and when when we were in terrible situations like there was always this levity that he would bring um, so like we were leaving, we had went to, um, my grandfather's friend had like this big ranch house with a farm and a garden. Mm-hmm. And there was a big bus of people like thinking, think like 30, 40 black people on the bus. Mm-hmm. And we were leaving this man's house and it was like on a farm and, the, and it, w- it had rained or whatever. The bus was backing up and the back wheels like got stuck in the mud and were like turning and we had like fell into a ditch. Oh and my, my God. Right. So it was what was potential. And this was like outside. Like it was literally, I think it was in Nashville, honestly, but I, we were like in the, in the suburbs of Nashville. 
um, in the in the dark at this oh, farm no. town, this big oh, bus of people, no. and we were stuck, right? And, it, and it's nighttime, so it's not like we could just call AAA. Like this is a bus, right? So we were all, you know, on the brink of panic, right? Like what are we gonna do? How are we we gonna be stuck here all night? Blah blah blah. And I have a cousin. <laughs> Who is a, a sizable woman, right? Her name is Brenda. We call her Brucka. Um, mm. And Brian Brian would tease her a lot. But he was the kind of person that when you tease, the, he would tease you, but you really couldn't get mad at him. It was just because mm-hmm. it was funny. Um, and Brucka's, you know, a BBW. She's always been a big, a big woman. <laughs> Brian would give her a hard time about it a lot. Uh, so, like, we all on the bus and the bus is stuck and you can hear the wheels spinning and everybody's like, Oh God, what do we do? And Brian very calmly was like, Brucka, could you just stand up? (laughs) Because clearly we are stuck in this ditch because the bus is heavier on your side. So perhaps if you get off, like, so the whole, the whole bus like falls out laughing and which is, which gives the bus driver and my grandfather enough time to like get off the bus and figure out you know between all the men like they figure out how to get the bus out the ditch eventually but those are the kinds of memories and stories that he had like as big as he as big as he was he just had an awesome connection with people an awesome connection with kids um and it was just a joy to to watch him you know evolve into this awesome amazing person and you know he was just always there for me in ways that you know, I really miss. And that's what has been most challenging um, because all of the major milestones in my life, he was such a critical part of. Mm -hmm. So it is not just the fact that he is no longer here with me in the present. It's like, you know, I'm thinking about all of the, you know, the the thought of thinking about navigating my future without him in this way is what makes my grief complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he just had a way of being there. I had surgery one time. I had a benign lump in my breast and um, I was like 21. I was in college and I was scared to death because, you know, this was my first like surgery mm-hmm. and I had n- not been, you know, under anesthesia and I was just kind of like, this is intense and, you know, they they had biopsied the, the lump, but it was still a lump. And I'm like, I'm 21. Like, what is happening? Um, but he insisted upon going with mommy to the hospital. And um, when I, you know, I think about, this is why I know that I can't, this is why I know that I cannot dabble in the drugs because one of the best things about surgery was the, that anesthesia gave me the very best sleep I think I have ever had in <laughs> all my life. I mean, it was such a, a full and comprehensive rest, right? Due to those drugs. And it was just like, sleep. woo! It made me empathize with Michael Jackson you know, in a way, right? Because it was like, my word. Oh, Jesus. But, um... But I remember um, I made it out of recovery and I went home. I was still, you know, pretty zonked out on the drugs and Mm -hmm. went to sleep. And I remember I was sleeping in the room. And uh, when I opened my eyes, Brian was standing over me. 
and I didn't realize it, but he was like hitting my foot with his hand. <laughs> um, and I was like, what? And he was like, you know, you, you've been asleep for like hours. I just wanted to make sure you were still alive. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was like, you want something to eat? And I was like, no, but you know, he just was there. And my mom told me later that, you know, he kept checking on me mm-hmm. as I was sleeping and he kept making sure that I was okay and that I had what I needed. Mm-hmm. There were many times, that was not the only time when, you know, I looked up. He was the first face I saw. I, I don't know if I told y'all the story of when I passed out in the wedding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I passed I out in the wedding because I was ripping and running like a dummy on the day I was supposed I was supposed to be a bridesmaid. I was ripping and running like a dummy child trying to get to the wedding. I had to work that morning. It was just running and I just did everything but eat. And I and made it to the wedding. I put my dress on. I made it down the aisle and was standing up there in front of the church. All them people as the other bridesmaids was walking in and I was just like, man, it's dark in this church. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Why would they turn the lights off? Like, yeah. like I just, I remember saying that in my mind, like, wow, it's so dark in here. And child, before the next thing I knew, I was laying flat on my back. I had passed out in front of that, in front of the church of that, and um, in front of that whole wedding, I just passed out. And my brother, when I opened my eyes, my brother's face was over mine. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> What is wrong with you? Are you still? Like, that is what? one of my favorite stories. Is are you still friends I'm with like, the girl, the bride? I haven't seen her in a long time. I'm sure if I saw her, um, I mean, she was older than me, and she was like a family friend. She okay. asked my grandmother if I would be in her wedding, and we was like, yeah. But I mean, she was older than me, so we weren't like close in age okay. so that we were like kicking it like that. But okay, Brian was at the church for the wedding, and he thankfully he was there because. <laughs> I passed out in that girl's wedding and it was just like a thing. And he was like, well, what? More than he was concerned about my health, he was embarrassed. Nobody like, can humble you What family on member. earth are you doing? And I'm like, what? what is wrong? And I mean, like, I just was coming to and trying to make sense of reality. And he was just like, you passed out, dummy. Why are you on the floor? Like, he was just like, he just was so embarrassed. A black And woman. I was... I mean, he was, he made sure I was okay. Somebody, they told me, they, they, of course, you know, when you pass out in front of black people, the first thing they give you is orange juice. Oh, of course. So they sent him to the store. He came back with a little orange juice, threw it at me, like, drink this. And then, and then I was like, ready to stand up and, you know, be a bridesmaid again. And he was like, no, no, that's canceled. You will sit until, mm-hmm. until. So, I mean, those are the kinds of things, like, you know, in those moments, I remember waking up and seeing him. So having when, you know, having those kinds of memories and knowing those things about him, you know, is important. Um, And uh, I think I'm sharing this in celebration of all that he Mm -hmm. is to me Mm -hmm. and grieving his loss has been an experience i've learned a lot about grief grief and i are really acquainted um and i was talking to my therapist about this episode and what i wanted it to be i'm not sharing this as kind of like a you know there are no tips or strategies that i might offer for managing grief i don't feel like that is something um 
that is particularly useful because I feel like grief is personal. Mm-hmm. But I I I find comfort in knowing that me sharing aspects of my journey might be of some comfort and support to someone else who might be navigating any kind of loss of their own. Mm-hmm. So my therapist suggested that I share three things that, um, three truths about grief, um, because I think, you know, I have learned a lot about it um, in navigating this process. And then three lessons, uh, things that that um, grief has, has taught me. So I will do that. Now, and this is in no particular order, and I am not, of course, this is like me just reading off chicken scratches in my journal. So p- forgive me if it is not poetic, um, but I just wanted to share. Um, so the reality of grief is that it is the ghetto. It is, it is a state of mind. It is um, a lifestyle, so to speak. It is all-consuming. It is comprehensive. It is something that you can't outrun or outsmart. It is thorough and it finds its way into every dimension of your life. Grief, grief is heavy. Um, and I'm not saying that to scare you, but more to affirm someone who may feel suffocated or overwhelmed by this intense sense of loss and hurt. It is supposed to feel like that. Um, It is. That is the nature of it. So if you. um, If you are there. Then there's nothing wrong with you. For feeling that way. Um, The second thing is that. Grief transcends time. And I talked a little bit about this earlier. Is that. And I think I've said shared this on other episodes, but grief, um, it's not that I'm just grieving the, that, that my brother is not here with me presently. I am grieving my future, the way that I saw my future unfolding. Um, everything has changed. The way that my brother was a part of every milestone in my life before now, um, you know, I'm thinking about what subsequent milestones they might be, there might be um, as a result of that. And that is what makes this grief process, um, you know, that also complicates it, right? And makes it hard and challenging to navigate. Um, so if you are dealing with that, then don't beat yourself up if you're thinking about your future. When, when I lost my brother, I started, you know, seeing, I started seeing my wedding. I started seeing, um, I started seeing, um, you know, me having kids and thinking about well, what that, what, what that means. Um, you know, the fact that all of those things will not have to happen, um, without him there in these ways so grief transcends time um so if you've been thinking those thoughts you know don't feel don't feel bad well I don't want to say don't feel bad but 
that is absolutely natural and fair and true. Um, and finally, um, the, the last truth of grief that I will share is that um, <clears throat> grief, um, one of the major challenges that I have um, in thinking about my grief is the fear that it has put in me um, because I feel like grief robs you of um, expectation and hope um, especially when you have lost someone tragically or suddenly it creates uncertainty and insecurity. Um, you are constantly fearful that something tragic is going to happen again. And, um, that's something that you might have to contend with to learn how to manage for the rest of your life. And that's really the honesty of where I am right now. Um, it's hard for me to think about good things and feel deserving of good things. It's hard when you feel like this, the floor has been snatched from underneath you. It makes you hard to take leaps and risk. Um, and everything feels like a huge risk. Um, so in addition to the grief, you may experience anxiety and worry that the other shoe is going to drop or that something bad is going to happen again. And this is again, not to scare anyone, but to let you know that if this is something that you've been challenged with, you're not alone. And there are ways that we can manage it. And those are some of the lessons that I've learned. So, um, the first one, the first major lesson is that, um, um, your feelings are valid. It's okay for you to feel brokenhearted. It's okay for you to talk about that. It's okay for you to be angry. It's okay for you to speak that. And it's okay for you to tell anyone who's willing to hear. And it's okay for you to tell God. I think that God can handle your broken heart. I think he expects you to carry your questions to him. And I have learned that he, it is in those times of vulnerability when you lay it all out there and tell him how life has hurt you. That's when he will answer you. And, it, and I can't tell you how because he will answer you in ways that may be different than how he's answered me. And it's not something that will happen in one conversation and it will be multiple times where you will go to him and tell him how you feel or tell your loved ones how you feel. And I've also learned that when you are transparent and vulnerable about your hurt, the people who are for you will always make space for you to do that. Um, your grief is not a badge of shame. It is not something that you should be afraid of or afraid to acknowledge. Your grief is in tribute to the level of love that you have for your loved ones. Don't let anyone tell you that you should not be grieving or that your grief monopolizes anything. Your relationship, 
there's there's never anything or any space where you are where there is no space for your grief. So if you find yourself in company with anyone who makes you feel shame for grieving, I admonish you to get as far away from that person or those people as you can. Um, And finally, the biggest lesson that I've learned um, about Brian and about grieving Brian is that the grave does not limit or cancel your connection to your loved one. When, when, take your time. It was time for us to bury Brian, and Jay was there. I, I went to uh, the casket just before they put it in the ground, and I put my hand on it, and I didn't say much, but I just asked him not to leave me. And I don't want to be creepy or spooky. And this is not about like, you know, spirits or anything like that. Damn all that. That's, this is but, your, your, your experience. But I, I can tell you that he has honored that request. Mm-hmm. There have been ways that I I can tell you that he has made his presence known when I needed it. And it was the most subtle, subtle ways that only I would notice. It wasn't loud. It very much like his personality. It wasn't loud and attention uh, seeking. It was very much an inside joke um, um, when I was afraid and you know <clears throat> when I was buying my last when I bought the car that I have now I was stressed and worried about whether I was making the right decision mm-hmm. didn't want to be caught out there doing the wrong things and you know benefited from the kindness of a stranger uh, when I was at the car dealership who helped me to deal with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and before he left, I, you know, I said, I didn't get a chance to get your name. Um, and he said his name was Brian. Uh, and when I bought this house, I was stressed and not really sure whether or not I was doing the right things. And I went to the closing and was nervous. Things have been happening. And I told y'all my journey. Like, you know, at any moment, I thought that they were going to be like, psych. <laughs> and just she like, did. you know. Uh, but when I, um, the first document I had to sign at the closing was essentially the deed for the land that the house was built on. And it had all this information as to when the land was purchased and when they broke ground on this house. And I was literally the first document that I saw. And I'm sitting there all a ball of stress and nerves. And the date on the paper, the first date, the first piece of paper I had to sign was the date that they started building this house. 
and it was Brian's birthday, 2019. <laughs> so it was like, it was him saying, like, I told you that I wasn't going to leave you for these kinds of moments. Mm-hmm. And he's kept his promise. So if if you feel disconnected or far away from your loved one that you've lost, know that death does not cancel your connection the same way that he was my brother on this earth. He's still my brother. Um, and I don't want to monopolize this conversation. I know that Jade has mm-hmm. lost very important people to her, but I wanted to thank her. Thank you, sis, for thinking to do this. I've been, it's a really tough weekend. Brian would have turned 36. And then hearing about Naya Rivera losing her life the way that she did, it made me want to run away and hide. But like I said, grief is not something that you can run from. So I feel like facing it and talking about it in this way facilitates healing not only for me but for somebody else who might be dealing with their loss so I see all of your messages and emails and tweets and DMs about your loved ones grandmothers, brothers, moms, dads sisters, aunts, uncles Friends, partners, this journey of grief is something that many of us share. Mm -hmm. So I just offer this time um, and this space, you know, to welcome you to take some time to think about your grief, your process of grief how to create space for it, to allow you to navigate it, um, you know, and th- as you move through different parts of your life. I don't know that it'll be something that you will, it will ever go away, but I'm learning that if we create space for it, we can lean into it and learn whatever lessons it was meant to teach us. I'm so proud of you. When we first started getting grown three years ago and a little change, you didn't even you didn't even want to talk about Brian. And I'm very proud of you. Cause I know that's not easy. And I know you know it's gonna help a ton of people. And you don't even have to do that. It's not your job to help anybody. So I'm proud of you. Let's end this on a um let's end this on a let's end this on an uplifting note. So um like Kia said, is it was Brian's birthday. And um, you know, we want to celebrate him as such. And I thought it would be cathartic and just lovely for her to just share just whatever sentiments came to you uh about Brian. Um and I think I've told this story briefly before. But just to recap, um, it kind of also came from speaking to my grandmother on uh, what would have been her and my grandfather's 65th wedding anniversary. And I asked her how she was feeling. I was worried about her. You spend that much time with somebody. You're married since you're 16. Y'all are 
would have been celebrating your 65th. You do the math. I can't. So, you know, I had a conversation with her and I said, how you feeling, grandma? And she said, you know, today I played all me and your granddaddy's favorite songs and I talked to him and it was a good day. And I thought it was the loveliest, loveliest sentiment. Just, it was so simple and it speaks to that connection that Kia spoke about that never leaves, um, even if the earthly body does. And so in the vein of that, I wanted to end this kitchen table talk. Can you give me three of Brian's favorite songs? <laughs> oh, man. Um, wow. They are... Uh... <laughs> Or songs oh, that remind you of him. Um, Brian worked uh, <laughs> at um, on um, Romantic Avenue and White Plains is like you know a little it's like a little suburban Times Square mm-hmm. kind of situation. It's kind of like where the all the little pubs and night spots mm-hmm. are. And my brother worked security there. Um, at a few different places and one of them was kind of just like this real Irish white boy <laughs> bar um, but as such he would always come home singing these crazy drinking songs <laughs> or not even like um, drinking songs but just kind of like songs that, that that you would hear like he would sing like brown eyed girl <laughs> like and he'd be like why are you singing that but, he would just, um, but those kinds of uh, and Brian loved to sing um whether or not he was a strong singer is, you know, whatever. But he, he, we all, my whole family is a musical family and he loved music. Um, so it's hard to narrow it down. I think uh, when I think about um, songs that remind me of him, I think about, we took lots of road trips. So there was like, you know, we would sing like gospel-y mm-hmm. church songs. And Brian was really good for just like... Uh, <laughs> Like we be just imagine us in a car, um, going down this country highway, and there's nothing on the um, road but like big trucks. Mm-hmm. And he would love to like get the truck driver's attention, and like uh, like yell things at them through the window. <laughs> so like whatever was playing on the radio, uh, I remember my mom was listening to this Donnie McClurkin uh, CD. Uh, and he was singing this remake of the old hymn, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? And I just remember, like, Brian, like, leaning his whole body out of the car and asking this passing truck, like, are you washed, sir? (laughs) Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Has your soul been per... Like, I mean, like, literally, like, (laughs) he... I mean, every word of the verse. Have you plunged? Have you come to the fountain of his cleansing? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? (laughs) Sir, are you washed? And I'm just in the back seat, literally crying, like tears screaming down my face. Like, are you washed? Hello, sir, are you washed in the blood? What was the man doing? I mean, laughing uncontrollably <laughs> because because I mean we're all, everybody's driving down the highway at seventy miles an hour, so you couldn't hear anything that he's saying. So <laughs> I'm sure, that, but he was screaming, and half his body 
hanging out of the side of the car. Like, are you washed? It's like, what is wrong? <laughs> what is wrong with you? But those are the kinds of, uh, yeah. And I mean, we just love, um, we love, uh, we love to sing with my my grandfather liked to sing around the house and we just love to fall behind him and sing um uh you know background um so when i think of him i think of like those kinds of moments um and yeah like some of the voice notes i have in my phone is like when like the last time we were all in church together and i was sitting next to my brother singing and we indeed I was singing and me and Brian were just singing and you could hear him and it's just like these are the those are the things that I think about yeah. um so I can't think of like you know of course no, he liked I, all of the he loved all of the hood rat nigger rap that we all listen to but like those are, those are absolutely the, yes indeed <laughs> but um those are the things that I think about when we think about his songs and just like in terms of his birthday, he was just like a he's always out of the box. Never like you oh, never knew what to expect. We all know the the red lobster story. My gosh. Huh. He really did. And he had them, you know, to take that terrible strawberry sauce and write mm-hmm. happy birthday on the plate. And he said, fill this plate with about six Cheddar Bay biscuits. Thank Cheddar you. Biscuits. I don't need this cake. No, bring me biscuits. But that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of coonery that we just shared as as a as a brother and sister it was just kind of like yes do what you want i literally can't listen to maxwell's pretty wings without thinking of brian because that's the kind of stuff that we did <laughs> like none of that none of the stuff makes any sense like i mean i'm talking about when that song came out you could not have told brian that that song wasn't about chicken it's like, what else would it be about? It's like, my chicken wings are always pretty to me. Well, love chicken just like I do. I mean, those are the kinds of stories. And that's the truth. And he would just, like, I mean, pretty. Like, I'm just seeing him standing in front of the microwave as his chicken wings are warming up and singing, pretty wings are pretty. But yeah, good times. I love it. Well, happy birthday, Brian. Um, happy birthday, Brian. You know, we know you're going to keep looking out for Kia. For sure. She, she knows that too. So, with that being said, let's uh, let's quickly move on to this honesty box. It's not a very long one. Bet, 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 bet. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers so many recipes to choose from every week to help you break out of your recipe rut. And there's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly. My faves. With HelloFresh, you can get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes and save up to 28% compared to your grocery store shopping trips. HelloFresh can also help you eat more sustainably. Their pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. They offer contactless delivery to your doorstep, and the packaging they use is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content. I can I can attest to that because we are big recyclers in this fan, <laughs> all of it. In 2019, HelloFresh donated over 2.5 million meals to charity. This year, they're stepping up their food donations, 
amid the coronavirus crisis. So, um, HelloFresh, my favorite, I mean, I have so many favorite recipes, the shroom and Swiss pork burgers, because I love shrooms and I love pork. So (laughs) it's right up my alley. Um, The beef bulgogi bowls. Oh my God. So it's carrots, pickled cucumber, beef, obviously, which I love, but there are vegetarian options if that's not your zhuzh, but it has a sriracha crema and a oh my god balsamic fig chicken and like lemony green beans it's just so many different options with HelloFresh. it's one of my favorite meal delivery kits that i've had thus far and i don't know what took me so long to try them go to hellofresh.com slash 80 grown and use code 80 grown to get a total of 80 dollars off including free shipping on your first box that's hellofresh.com slash 80 grown and code 80 grown for a total of 80 dollars off including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. If you're looking for something to read, look no further than This is Major. Notes on Diana Ross, Dark Girls, and Being Dope. A new book by Shayla Lawson. From a fierce and funny new voice comes a relevant, insightful, and riveting collection of personal essays on Black girl culture. If you're a fan of Samantha Irby, Roxane Gay, Morgan Jerkins, and Lindy West, you'll love this book of essays. Shayla Lawson is major. She is on a mission to move Black girls like herself from best supporting actress to a starring role in the major narrative. Whether she's taking on workplace microaggressions or upending racist stereotypes about her home state of Kentucky, she looks for the side of the story that isn't always told, the places where voices of Black girls haven't been heard. The essays in This Is Major ask questions like, what are Black women, why are Black women invisible to AI? And what is Black girl magic? And how much magic does it take to land a Tinder date? With a mix of personal stories, pop culture observations, and insights into politics and history, Lawson sheds lights on these questions, as well as the many ways Black women and girls have influenced mainstream culture. You know that, you know, Jade and I are blackity black women. And we know that many of you are blackity black people who love, um, you know, black blackity black culture. As such, this is major seems to be, you know, our cup of tea. Let's get we just we're so excited about it. So uh, timely, enlightening and wickedly sharp. This is major places black women at the center, no longer silenced and no longer the minority. Honestly, truly. Okay, let's give her a pseudonym. Uh, Canada Dry. Canada Dry. <laughs> Green tea gin- flavor. Some ginger. <laughs> okay, Canada Dry writes. Hi, Jada Kia. Thank you for all you do to keep us informed and entertained through the trash that is adulting in the century of the year 2020. My God. What a word. I've been wanting to write this for a while. And with everything going on with our racial climate, I feel like I need to go ahead and send this question. Jade, how do you ensure Noah knows and is comfortable with her blackness? I have Mm. an eight year old daughter. And as I talk with her on her level about the beauty of being black and the accomplishments we've made and how we come from greatness, it seems to fall on deaf ears. When I bring it up, be it be a tidbit of trivia for an everyday household item, she's like, why do we have to talk about this? I would expect this if she were the only black kid in her school or class, but she goes to school with a diverse set of kids and teachers, black, Hispanic, African, etc. 
I intentionally buy black dolls and books so she can see she's represented. Our household is black as hell, so it's hard to understand why she has this wall up. I would also love to hear Kia's advice as well, since she's in, ed- in an education space and grew up black as hell, too. Yes, Thank I you. Don't want my child to be confused. Canada sure. dry. Oh, Canada. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so I will defer to you, sis, because you are the parents in the room. But I will say this first. Please. Um... I think this is not your fault. Uh, I don't think that this is a function of anything that you are doing or not doing. And I commend you for doing what you are doing because I think you are doing the right things. Unfortunately, I think that this is the function of, uh, again, the ways in which we're all kind of steeped in whiteness mm-hmm. and um, anti-blackness, um, you know, and how that is very much woven throughout, you know, the media and you know curriculum and textbooks and pop culture um and i think you know it she your daughter may very well be coming up in a school where color blindness is is preached mm-hmm. um and students are taught not to think about race but we we know that that is you know problematic um uh, so i think um, it, this is a function of the, the time that we live in, the society that we live in. I think as a parent, you are doing the right things and I would admonish you to keep doing them. Um, um, I think, you know, yeah, I think, the, I, I think the worst thing you can do is to stop because I think you, you have, you have to combat the messages that your daughter may be receiving when she's away from you. Um, and just continue to think of creative ways to kind of uh, lift up and affirm, you know, blackness, black culture, black identity, um, you know, counter the messages that she's receiving with the truth um, of your lived experiences of our of our culture, of our livelihood and make it a family thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't just limit it to what conversations that you and your daughter have, but incorporate other members of your family. Let other people know. Let other, you know, talk to other black moms, all the other people in your community. Like, this may be, uh, you know, you might need to think of this as kind of like a multi-pronged approach. It's something that mm-hmm. you guys are going to have to, you know, put your heads together and think through, Um because, you know, you're going to have to pay attention to what your daughter does connect with and then try to weave in. Like, there may be angles where you might want to reach her. And and it, don't be afraid to engage in that conversation, you know, when she asks, like, why do we have to make this about race? Don't be afraid to engage in that conversation. And don't be mm-hmm. afraid to, to be real with her about what, you know, whiteness is, what white supremacy is, how it functions as a system, Um and how we have to be vigilant in resisting, uh, you know, this form of oppression as it exists. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is something that you have to kind of do in tempered ways because of her age and those kinds of things. But, you know, it's hard, but, you know, definitely a battle worth fighting. Yep. I think there's a couple different, you know, there's a couple different things ahead. I agree with everything kia said a she's eight Mm -hmm. so 
I think she was saying things like, I don't like being black or, you know, other things along those lines of like self-deprecation, then that, you know, might might need a different conversation. But I think that, um, like Kia said, and you just leading by example and just continuing to uplift blackness in your household, the message is going to get there. Like For it's sure. going to come and it's going to come out in ways when you don't expect it to, but it's going to, it's going to instill itself in in her brain. And you have right. to remember too that the majority of the things that we, that are that are at their disposal on TV, of course there's a little bit more exposure now than there used to be even when we were younger. But mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is just steeped in whiteness. For sure. And, you know, it's our job as parents to try to steer them in a direction to where they are tolerant but they love themselves and they love being sure. black and they Absolutely. and they accept um and and, and it, like i said it will it will come you ask noah anything about donald trump and she will tell you he's a terrible man and we talked to her <laughs> about the reasons why sure. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and then there are other times where we may be a little harder on her and we're like why are you watching this it got all these white kids in it mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like you know and it's more so about wanting her to appreciate the fact that she is black and and loved and beautiful um sure. and it may even come across a little harsh sometimes i'll be perfectly honest there too i won't jada pink at the situation like you know <laughs> we kind of shoved it down her throat at times to the point where she'll flip it on us and if we're watching something and she sees a few white people in it she'll be like so <laughs> that movie sure has a lot of white people in it. <laughs> so, and again, and I've also had conversations with her and I make this to I make this a point because I I tell her, "Listen, I want you to understand that you are a beautiful black girl. I want you to understand that you are powerful and, you know, all and intelligent and all of the wonderful things to uplift her. But I also let her know the reason why I constantly tell you these things is because the world is going to tell you that white is better. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want you to have that complex or feel like white is better. I want you to know that you are powerful out here. For sure. I want you to, to, to fall in love with that. And I want to instill that confidence now. So I think I don't want you to stress yourself. Schweppes. Yeah. Yeah. No, Canada Dry. Yes, for real. I want to add, though, I think that we have to acknowledge the the time and the stage that kids are in, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I say that as a as a black girl raised in a black family who changed her very black name to Lisa in the second grade (laughs) because because it was it wasn't about um not being black more than it was about not being different. Mm-hmm. I think we have to acknowledge that sometimes developmentally um, and, and because there is such a cost that comes with othering and marginalization that a lot of times our kids are just looking for a way to connect with the students that are around them and a way to not feel weird or to mm-hmm. stand out or to be different because mm-hmm. difference is something that is shamed. So I think it's important to acknowledge that um, and build tools within your child um, mm-hmm. to, to accept and embrace the aspects of who she is that are not like her peers. And I think that comes from having a lot of the conversations that Jade 
was talking about. My mother, you know, when I changed my name to Lisa, she started on a full-on campaign about all things Takia. <laughs> it was, I had name, and she told me why she named me Takia and what mm-hmm. it means and why why she named me that, what, what, what significance that name has and why it's important and why it's special. And I didn't buy it. it you know what I'm saying? I was just like, well, <laughs> can't nobody say it. And they can't nobody spell it. And I mean, it was something that I resisted her on. And it wasn't at all about identity. It was like, I respected all of that thing, all those mm-hmm. things. I changed my name to Lisa, but after Lisa Turtle, who was the black girl on Saved by the Bell, <laughs> it wasn't about me not wanting to be black. Right. I just didn't want this ridiculous name that I, that I thought she gave me. It's like, girl, well, why did you have to do all that you did? Like, it was, it's too much. Everybody else's name got four letters. Like, you like... <laughs> Why does my name have to be so hard? Like that, but I, so I think that there, we have to acknowledge that this might be about other things, right? And don't so maybe her not wanting to talk about race all the time, and maybe because some people she may be getting otherized in social spaces on the mm-hmm. on the basis of her race, and she just wants people to acknowledge her for who she is. So mm-hmm. there, there, there's more conversation that can be had around this, really getting to the bottom of it. But I think it comes with like Jacob having some real conversations with your child and listening to her just as much as you speak. Mm-hmm. And time. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, there for a straight year, I would ask Noah every day, what'd you do? What'd you do at school today? Mm-hmm. I played. And then that's it. That's <laughs> all I would get. She would give me nothing else. I know she did a plethora of other things. I got <laughs> emails. I wanted to hear it from her mouth and would not tell me. What right. she did at school. No logical explanation, no nothing. So sometimes right. also kids are just weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're just weird. <laughs> and you you can't rationalize where the thinking is coming from. But uh, don't stress yourself. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep instilling the blackness through example. When she she's gonna get she's gonna get to a certain point. Where she doesn't even like, I think Key and I are both, we knew we were black girls. We grew up black girls. We were happy to be black girls. But I think because we were raised in households where it was just so normal, like we were, it was very black households. Yes. It just kind of was like, well, yeah, of course we're black girls. It was something we took for granted. It was like, yeah, what else would I be? So, you know, when OJ was exonerated from, you know, the crime (laughs) that he committed, (laughs) you know, all kinds of things. Our family celebrated when Malcolm X came out. My father pulled us all out the bed and said, I got tickets to a 945 show. We're going to see it. My gracious. Why are we going in the morning? (laughs) No, PM. This was like, no, we were like about to go to bed. This nigga was like, we're going to see Malcolm X. (laughs) Right now? Yes. In our pajamas? He would come to my school in a purple leather jacket with a giant black X on the back that went from shoulder uh, to waist. We but it. it was so normalized that it wasn't even a thing for me. But my mother would also have conversations with me about whiteness before I could even understand what whiteness was. Mm-hmm. My mom had conversations about us being light-skinned girls and how that was going to translate to the world and how people were going to treat us and mm-hmm. how we needed to view ourselves not in the way in which people would try to treat us for right. for that. So, like, there were many difficult conversations. And I remember there were times where I'd be like, well, girl, why are you talking to me about this? Yeah. But I'm happy now. And I've, and I've been a well-adjusted black woman because my mother had those conversations with me. So even if it seems as if she doesn't understand what you're saying, yes. she will understand what you're saying. 
She will understand it better by and by, girl. That's it. By and by. Canada Dry, we hope that yes, helps. Sis. Please keep us updated on your mothering journey. And Please. um and and we 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 don't 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 worry. Nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's quickly b- breeze through these black women self-cares okay I deserve black person self-care time so mm-hmm. I have two they're both very brief but I'm just excited so I have not been wearing makeup not even when I'm filming these things I might throw a little <laughs> mascara and, and some eyebrow uh, filler in on, on. but <laughs> <laughs> you know a makeup artist friend of mine occasionally ropes me into making poor decisions. Um, and uh, our good sis Nikki of NL Makeup out of Houston. Um, we love it. So I got suckered into purchasing Pat McGrath's. Oh, so good. Foundation. And even so though I don't good. even wear foundation like that. Nigga, this is so good. <laughs> like, so good. It's so thin. I don't even know what shade light. to get. Like, I'm nervous because I don't want to buy it and get it be the wrong shade. So here's the thing. About three years ago, I bought myself a, a foundation and announced it on the show. And I made the mistake of telling <laughs> you niggas what shade it was. So I won't be sharing that today. But I will say that I, mean, I did is it do names? it. Is it names? It's like no, colors. No, it's, it's not names. It's, it's just colors. Fine. Oh, okay. I'll tell you. I got a medium 16. <laughs> and oh. Uh, Watch me be like a 49 or something. Stop it. <laughs> a medium 16. I was just happy I didn't have to get one of the lights. This is a skin fetish, sublime perfection foundation. And when I tell you it is good, I don't know when I'm going to wear it. And because I don't hardly wear foundation, this better last me for like two years. But listen, I'm very happy with that purchase. So I'm I did something for myself. It. And um, then today I just put on my little drums, my music, and, you know, repotted a, a good amount of plants until I ran out of soil. Uh, Tristan and I started a compost a while ago. So I've been adding that to all the repotted plants and trying to get them awesome. in happy spaces. And I have many, many, many more to go. But it was just a cathartic, therapeutic um you know, activity for myself. And that is my black person self-care this week. What is yours? Very, very good. Very good. Um, I have, um, (laughs) yes, I have uh, gotten here recently, gotten a little bit more diligent around, like Jade said earlier, um, my workouts, my fitness um, and things of that nature. Been um uh, work trying to get some go work out in at least four times a week and i'm trying to be as diligent around monitoring my in my my eating as well um i did some math this morning um you know literally pulled up my calculator and and started to do the formula to find out like you know uh how much calories I need to eat to maintain, how much calories I need to lose. I um, blew the dust off of my fitness pal app, said that I was going to try to start tracking calories um, and just trying to keeping a record of my, you know, workouts and calorie burn. It does sound stressful, but to me, it just, I mean, I mean, stressful in this, I'm not going into it, holding myself to any hardcore kind of like, Okay. You know, I want to lose this amount of pounds. I'm more so trying to 
get a, a better sense of how my body works at this age. So I That's feel fair. like at one point in my life, I knew if I wanted to lose a certain amount of weight, how much cardio I needed to do, what, what ways I needed to change my eating habits. And now that I am older, all of that stuff has changed. And I've changed, you know, I don't do cardio as, I mean, you know, I, I used to, when I worked out once upon a time, it used to be all cardio and now I've incorporated strength training. So my mm-hmm. body responds differently to that kind of working out. And this mm-hmm. is more about me trying to learn how to, um, you know, be healthy in this body. So I'm not necessarily chasing a goal weight because mm-hmm. I'm really trying to liberate myself from this uh, notion that health is a certain weight, a certain number on the scale, because I'm learning that my body can't be heavier, um, but still look the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I look at pictures from my of myself now from a few years ago and even look at like my measurements, you know, I'm he- a lot heavier than I was then, but I can still fit in certain clothes and, mm-hmm. you know, my body looks differently. So I'm trying to unlearn some of those unhealthy mindsets that I have around health and wellness and eating and exercise and fitness. And I'm trying to learn to accept my body the way that it is. Um, And I'm doing that by learning how, you know, how to give it the fuel that it needs to do what I need it to do, which is keep growing and staying healthy and well and surviving and all of that stuff. So which we're going to get into next week. Yes, indeed. I am working very, very hard to um, reimagine, you know, health and recognizing that health and size are not mutually exclusive. That's it, mommy. And I love butter, so. Uh, (laughs) And there are certain things that I just don't feel like I feel like, you know, I understand the keto girls. I understand the girls who cut carbs and those kinds of things. I have done those things before. And I'm so this is not me standing in judgment. But Mm. I feel like a certain at a certain age, I've I've recognized that I work really hard. And if I if I want cheese on my burger, Mm. I deserve to have it. Um, and there, that might mean that I need to work out differently or move my body differently, but I don't want to have an unhealthy relationship with my body, with food, um, and those kinds of things. So this is me trying to work toward, you know, healthier practices in, in all the different ways that, that, that exist. White people love cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought about what you said. Oh, my. Mm, Cheese. Well, let's get into speaking of cheese. Let's get to these petty peeves. (laughs) Oh, my wordy word, word. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. So my petty peeve is very brief this week, but pointed there's a part there's a human being on my floor of my building now the way my building is set up we have trash chutes on every floor however Mm -hmm. if you have large trash that does not fit down the chute or recycling you take it down to the trash room and put it in there uh or if the porters have already removed it and put it outside then you feel free to throw it in that pile as long as it's properly bagged but really they prefer to do it because they bag it all up so anyway there and and we 
rarely have trash that we can literally just take to the shoot because we're a whole family. You know what I'm saying? I may take things that I cook for the day because it's summertime and we don't like trash accumulating in the house. But when it comes to the big bags that fit in the trash can, they're not going down the chute. So we take them downstairs and we take our recycling downstairs and all of that. There's one human being on my floor who thinks they are too good when their trash is too large to fit down the chute to take it downstairs. So they leave the whole bag in the in the chute room. And when I tell you. It, 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 it infuriates me. You <laughs> like, know what it is? No, I have no clue. And the thing about my, my floor is it's really, really quiet. I rarely run into anybody coming on or off of the elevator. Um, I have a feeling who is not. Why should that be the person who it is? Mm-hmm. But I don't hardly see anybody on my floor. Like we, we don't really interact because we don't see each other, run into each other. So I don't know which apartment it is. But I'm about to reach uh, white levels and leave a note. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like I want to leave a note. Like, I really do. The next time that I discover that trash bag. And I really won't leave a note before. Like, you think you too motherfucking good <laughs> to walk your black ass downstairs and put your trash in the in the garbage room. Where the people bag the shit up for you. Mm-mm-mm. Bless your heart. So, um, so yes, that's my petty beef this week. People who just think they're too good for just simple, decent tasks that would benefit the rest of your neighbors. Agreed. What's your petty? Um, there is, um, let me see how I want to say this. I think that, um... I want to uh, offer some insight. I think, so like we are all navigating this crazy time as best we can. There are some people who have to make choices um, that are, you know, I guess my petty peeve is like, you know, don't assume that that everything is about you, Um, especially in this situation that we're in. Mm -hmm. Speaking specifically about folks who uh, are shamed for, not wanting so like there i mean and you know i'm not here to judge whether or not what people should or shouldn't be doing but as it relates to this pandemic as it relates to what folks need to do to keep themselves safe and well and not Mm. just physically but emotionally um leave people alone you know what i'm saying like let people do what they gotta do for their lives you know what i'm saying if 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 getting your deliveries getting your deliveries getting your groceries delivered makes you feel better if you're doing like target to go and those kinds of things makes you feel better. Don't allow anybody to shame you or tell you that you don't need to do this or you don't need to do that. If wearing a mask makes you feel better when you go out. I mean, even if it's just to other place, you know, just even if it's to the mailbox, eat like if, if it's going to the trash chute, if doing things that kind of keep your mind, your mind at ease uh, in this pandemic, don't allow people to shame you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? For for taking the precautions that you need to take in order to, you know, keep yourself well. And mm-hmm. when I'm not just talking about physically well and free of the virus uh, or healthy, you know, whatever. Um, I'm talking about your mental stability. Mm-hmm. 
There are some people who are really quarantined. They they still, even though the barbershop is open, they still not going to get a haircut. And I, and they know that they can, but they've chosen not to because that's a, that's what helps them to sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. And it's not your business. Okay, mm-hmm. so shut up and mind your business. And if you feel comfortable going about things as normal, you know, then then hooray for you. But leave folks alone if they don't feel comfortable to do that. I've just been seeing a lot of of shaming um, on my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, you know that such and such is open now. You know that you can do this. Well, why don't you try to do that? And it's like, girl, most people know what options they have available to them, but they're making choices that are best for them. Mm-hmm. So if you're comfortable having a socially distanced lunch or a socially distanced event, that's cool for you, but other people might not be comfortable. So don't pressure people to do things that they're not comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And if you, and I say that, and I'm also going to say this because this is something that I have to do. Don't allow yourself to feel pressured. Don't feel bad if you feel like you want to say no to certain things. You have a right to make choices for your own safety and your own wellness. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's. That's my story this week. Agreed. Agreed. Yes, I have to do this. I have to do better myself, girl. And that's just the bottom line. It's like, girl, you know that if you go or if you do this, your nerves are going to be fried for three days. So just (laughs) stay home if that's what you feel like will help you feel better. Yes. Me. Okay. That was me. Myself. (laughs) Because Kia was a ball of stress, I tell you. All the time. <laughs> I just am so scared. I just want to be well. I just want the Lord to continue to keep me. And he has kept that promise. I just have to believe that he will. But every time I leave my house, I just be like, oh, God. But, <laughs> but I just have to learn how to just be okay and I, and, and, it's, and believe that I'm going to be. I'm going to be just fine. What do your T-shirts say? Not oh, that one. Is... No, your merch. Oh, God is not going to play me. That's <laughs> there it. Go. There you He's go. He's not. There he you just go. can't. I'm stumping with the men. <laughs> yes, Michael Joseph. Well, that was another episode of Getting Grown with Jade and Kia. Thank you so much for coming and sitting at the kitchen table with us. And, yes, indeed. Um, helping us to celebrate Brian. and, and, and Happy birthday, Brian. Him. And, you know, I'm just, again, I'm proud of you, sis. Thank uh, you, sis. But tell these blacks what to do with themselves. Listen, guys, remember to uh, drink your water. We've got to stay hydrated. The summer months are upon us. And if you pass out, mouth to mouth is canceled. So we don't want you to die. So just make wow, sure that you are hydrated. absolutely right. Wow, my God. Yes, mouth to mouth is canceled. Um, and you also need to mind the business that God gave you. It's very important because we have enough business of our own to keep us occupied. We will all get a lot further if we were just focused on that. Finally, you must moisturize your skin after you've washed your hands thoroughly. You must moisturize your skin. And why must they do that, sis? Because your Canada will dry. (laughs) Oh, yes, it will. (laughs) If it's dry. Your Canada will dry if it's dry. Oh, Canada. (laughs) Bye.
<laughs> that old Canada is taking me out in ways so good. I just don't know why it's on my spirit so heavily today. But yes, you guys stay well, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. The Ben and Jerry's flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their three new non-dairy flavors are made with sunflower butter, and they're the perfect sweet treat for vegans, vegetarians, and Kia and I. Check out the Ben and Jerry sunflower butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.